everyone. How are you all? Welcome back to Radio Armor. You're listening to Cyrus, and uh, the, as the prophecies foretold, he has returned. Steph. Hey guys, how you doing? Today we're chatting with uh, Snackbar from Hell's, uh, War is Hell. Hey guys, how's it going? We're pretty excited to get you on. Um, there's a couple of people in the channel that had recommended you a long time ago. Do you want to just give us a rundown as to who you are and, and what you do in the Army community? Yeah, so uh, what I do primarily in the Army community is uh, I develop a lot of missions and uh, stories that are kind of used with Arma as the medium to kind of help tell the story. So one of the series that I do is an alternate history series where I'll kind of do some research on one alternative uh, scenario that could have taken place. Like one of the ones I did not that long ago was um, like Operation Unthinkable, which was a plan put forth by Churchill to attack the Soviets uh, July 1st, 1945. So it was like rearming Germans, mm -hmm. getting the Americans in on it too, and, and just kind of playing out, you know, one version of that scenario. Uh, so that's one of the things that I like to do. Um, we have a community milsim group called PSO that I'm a part of too. So I'll post some of that on the channel as well. Um, but really, like, what I try to do is is to create stories using Arma. That's awesome. So, like, um, when, when you say alternate history, do you, like, look up real-world things and basically just remake them? Um, but with, the, with that, like, what-if sort of scenario? Or do you, like, make your own stuff up as well, just from scratch? Uh, so some of the things I'll do, I'll, I'll kind of make up some stuff. Uh, from scratch. So, like, the first one I ever did, which I, oh, man, like, going back and watching it, it was definitely not the best content that I ever made, was uh, what would happen if there was, like, a second Falklands War. So it took, uh, you know, the UK, and then I, I kind of uh, bumped up Argentina a little bit, but just kind of developed mm -hmm. a scenario on, on what that would be like uh, if that were to happen. But uh, what I've started doing is taking a particular point in time that was realistic uh, so the one I'm working on right now is the Soviet Civil War, which is based off of the 1991 August coup and just oh. diverting in into something different. So if it wasn't a uh, a peaceful attempt at a coup or if it didn't actually flop as hard as it did, is what I should <laughs> really say, um, what would have happened if it had, you know, like uh, blown up and stuff. And so that's kind of what I'll be doing for future stuff, too, is a realistic point in history that diverts. Awesome. That's kind of, that's really cool. I like that kind of approach. Um, can you go into that just a wee bit more for me? So when you're when you're saying um, if it didn't flop, what do you mean by if it didn't flop? Or uh, do you do you follow um, the what would have happened theoretically or in game? Um. So with the 1991 August coup. Um, essentially what happened is there was, they were called the Gang of Eight. Uh, they were a number of high-ranking Soviet officials who tried to overthrow uh, Gorbachev and then uh, just basically try to save what remained of the Soviet Union. But if you go back and you read like historically on, on what had happened, uh, there was a lot of opportunities for them to escalate the coup. Uh, like, for example, some of the troops who were in Moscow started uh, supporting the civilians. And so if they had gone more hard line and instead of attack civilians, that's kind of where it differs a little bit uh, uh, in that particular scenario. So some of it, you know, as I'm going through and kind of finding outcomes, like there have been some articles that I've read 
about what uh, the relationship between the Soviet Union and the civilian population was like at the time that I, I do take into consideration. Uh, for example, at that time, because Glasnost and Perestroika was you know being put forth by Yeltsin, a lot of the lower level ranks in the Soviet Union, obviously, obviously a lot of the civilians were in favor of some of these reforms, but the high ranking Soviets were not. And so kind of play off of that, I think in a, a few episodes a little bit too. Okay. Yeah, so so you're, you're you're talking like actual history, kind of things as well. Like you you, I'm not sure where I'm not sure where my train of thought was going with that, but like <laughs> yeah, you, you so you you take actual history and then like apply it to an armor scenario, basically is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I mean to to some yeah. level. I mean I don't want to say like I'm a military historian or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. I mean there's. Uh, there's some academic research that I do or I am uh, going to be doing in lines of the military, but um, you know there there are some things where, for the sake of the story and for entertainment, you know I do have to um, kind of expound on some things or, or kind of mm. uh, let some stuff go. Like with uh, Operation Unthinkable, uh, one of the things that I kind of point out is the United States would have had an advantage over the Soviet Union and the Western Allies would have because the United States had nukes and the Soviet Union didn't. <laughs> so what I, what I did is I was able to read an article that talked about you know what would have been the uh, United States nuclear production after Hiroshima and Nagasaki and put that into it. But mm. you know other things I didn't take into consideration is like, you know, what would have been the, the bomber range or where would these guys have taken off from? So I, yeah, I do yeah, have right. some liberty in what I do in, in that. Yeah, okay. Well, so, that, that makes some sense too, like keeping it like a gameplay mm -hmm. sort of element to it. Mm -hmm. uh, and and also quite intense for um, roleplay scenarios. Is it, is it just for shits and giggles or um, or do you quite enjoy... And does your your group quite enjoy these scenarios and putting them together and playing through them? Uh, well, PSO, we, we haven't done too much in the realm of the alternate history series. It's really been me constructing a series of missions. Usually it's about 18 uh, missions that kind of tell tell a story. And, and I do it single player. We have done a couple uh, missions okay. that are multiplayer. And so PSO, we kind of just have it as a, a traditional uh or I, I guess I should say a semi-traditional milsim that we have set up that, that is modern, but uh, we kind of use that too to be able to tell uh, stories a little bit differently. Uh, one of the reasons why PSO we decided to be a PMC um, is as a private military company, we have a lot more to be able to explore as far as stories and scenarios than what you might find in a, in a traditional milsim. I know like mm. with the groups that I had been a part of, it's you're usually alternating between fighting the Russians or uh, you know, being in Afghanistan or the Middle East, but with a PMC, you could basically say like, "Hey, this person is paying us to do this," and you can unlock a number of different stories and stuff like that. So, so there's a little bit of the additional story generation that we have in PSO, but it's not tied to alternate history. Okay, that's kind of cool. So, how about we how about we shift onto that then and talk a bit about okay. um, PSO? Yeah. Uh, so PSO was actually started by a number of the, the subscribers that I have on, on my channel. You know, they had seen that, you know, I, I had participated with a few Milsim communities before and I would post it and, and some of them got together and were just like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if, if we started our own? And so uh, they, they had kind of constructed it. And then once one of the groups that I was in kind of, uh, you know, went downhill and ended up closing up, 
then I started taking a, a you know more interest in, in playing with everybody else because I do want to be engaged with with the community that is uh, you know the War is Hell community. So we we kind of formed everything together and you know we've uh, done a number of of great campaigns. Like right now we're we're in Colombia fighting drug cartels and stuff like that. Okay. So. Uh, it's, it's been a really good group. I mean, it's, you know, there's uh, a lot of obvious, you know, difficulties with, with, uh, helping run a milsim and stuff like that. But the community that we have and the leadership around it is great. Like pants, night eye, uh, rock talks, grand animal Thrawn. Like these guys are just phenomenal in helping it run and making it a good experience for the people who come in. That's awesome. awesome. So, so you guys do, um, like weekly operations with that one or? Yeah, Saturdays and Sundays, uh, we we do operations that tie to the main story, but uh, we'll also do like uh, a historical one. Like I think we're doing World War II on Fridays and stuff like that. So um, okay. we kind of try to have stuff going throughout the week. World War II cool. Fridays, I like the sound of that. Yeah, <laughs> that's, <laughs> cool. that's awesome. So, um, so like, do people like have to come along to all of the events, or is it sort of a bit more of an open people turn up on the night kind of a thing? Yeah, we do have a, I would say, a, a more casual take to uh, some of the things that, that we kind of do as a, uh, a community. So, like, we don't have forced attendance or things like that. Um, we kind of do ranks um, and equipment a little bit differently as well because it's a PMC. We have yeah. uh, an individual who's, you know, in a private or who has been in a private military company, and he let us know, you know, you basically oh, buy your cool. own weapon. So mm. uh, it allowed us to kind of open up you know, possibilities for equipment a little bit more. And so it, I, I'll, I'll admit, we kind of do things a little bit more on the casual side. Um, but I, I think that's one of the, the big draws for a lot of people because we have individuals who come in who've never played Arma before. And so, oh, okay. um, you know, just kind of getting them introduced to the game without, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, some of the, the other things that Milsim's, you know, we'll, we'll kind of do as far as expecting mm. you to know some things about the military where we're, we try to be more flexible with that. That's awesome. Um, how many people do you guys have? Um, it varies quite a bit, you know, because we don't have the, uh, you know, required attendance or anything like that. It can change quite a bit. I mean, right now, uh, I want to say we have about 18 people who kind of show up regularly. So we, we get a, uh, a, a few fire teams going from that awesome yeah, okay so fairly fairly small sort of operations like you're not talking like large platoon sort of level things correct yeah and, and that's something that i think we we kind of like too because you know since this was community focused we do want it to be you know a community like i personally just don't want it to get so large that i don't know the people who are in the group mm -hmm. um and i think it kind of changes a little bit about what is the the core you know, where, where a PMC is going to be used. You're not going to see a PMC doing large, uh, you know, company-sized operations or anything like that uh, that yeah, are kind of more military true, yeah. type. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so can cool. we join? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys can come anytime. Okay, cool. Uh, so how, how would we go about doing that? Uh, so on uh, some of my videos, there is in the description a link to the War is Hell Discord. And so with that, uh, you just go to the Discord, and then we have a guideline section for, for how to join. Uh, one of the things that we do, because, again, there are a lot of people who come by that are new to Arma, we do, and this is something that you'll see in a lot of Milsims, obviously, too, is just a, a quick 
basic training. It's kind of more to set standards. And if you're new to Arma, just to kind of show you the ropes. Um, but after that, you know, uh, we've got, uh, you know, operations people can join and stuff like that. Okay, sweet. So it's it's pretty casual then. There's, there's not like a training process or anything you have to go through? Uh, there'll be some training that, that we do. Again, it's it's kind of more just to make sure that, that you know stuff about Arma. And so um, I... I'll admit I haven't been to the trainings myself because <laughs> it's for me, it's three o'clock in the afternoon and I'm at work. So um, I oh, can't okay. go to them, but uh, I do know that, you know, again, we, we want to set standards and make sure that people know how to, how to play the game. So it's not some super massive training or anything like that. I believe it's just like an hour where, uh, you know, we'll just kind of show somebody the ropes and stuff like that. Yeah, sweet. Okay. So I was going to ask, um, what what kind of players do you do you guys like look for when when they're joining in? Like, what would be your ideal kind of players? Um, me personally, I um, I think some of the best people that we've had who've kind of come across, um, you know, PSO are, are those who, I mean, maturity is obviously a big factor, and I think that kind of ties into the fact that. You know, we are a small group of people, and then there's also the side too, where I'm, you know, kind of making these videos, and and you know, I don't want somebody just, you know, kind of messing around and stuff like that. Um, but some of the best people that we've had in the community have been uh, those who have, you know, prior military service. Uh, we we try as much as possible to, to implement, uh, you know, some military tactics and stuff. So for example, Night Eye, who who I mentioned, he's one of our moderators. You know, he's uh, he's in the German Armed Forces right now. Uh, we had an individual who was, uh, you know, uh, U.S. Army Special Forces uh, back oh, during, you know, the, the Gulf War and stuff like that. So we've had a quite a wide variety of people who've come by. And I think that for me, that's been great just to see the broad scope of people who are interested in Arma Milsim. And then also, too, like I was saying, a, a lot of people who are new to Arma you know, come by as well um, just to kind of see what it is like to experience this because they see, you know, a video or something that, that I kind of put together about it and, you know, it's something that appeals them. So people who have an interest in this type of stuff, I think is, is those we kind of look for uh, and those who could be mature, you know, the most. Yeah, perfect well, that's, way of putting that's pretty, it. Pretty concise, yeah. Cool. So um, we've been through War as Hell, but how did you come up with the name? So War as Hell was something that uh, I I had to spend a long time trying to figure out what I was going to call this channel. So I had a, a channel that I, I ran previous to this, which was all based around sports gaming. And uh, at the time that I was doing that, you know, it was, it was a pretty toxic environment. And I, I wanted to get out and do something that I enjoyed. And so I started playing Arma. I'm like, hey, it'd be cool if I, I had a YouTube uh, channel based off of that. So I couldn't use Dunbar Snack Bar because that was my old one. And so uh, kind of going through some of the uh, YouTube search engine optimization, you know, tips and everything, uh, they were told, you know, to kind of go through and, and come up with like a phrase or something like that. And, and so uh, War as Hell was what I ended up choosing because I wanted to show like as I'm going through this, uh, you know, that, that my channel is going to be more serious than, uh, you know, just casual gaming with Arma. But, you know, this is going to be something that, um, you know, that realistic type stuff is going to be placed in there and i mean hopefully that makes sense what i'm trying to get at like um yeah i, th I think i think i get what you mean like you, you wanted something serious but like kind of poetic i guess yep yeah that's a great way to put it yeah i didn't 
I mean, I wanted to, to kind of remind people, you know, that this isn't all just fun and games and stuff like that, too. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of why I went with it. Awesome. Okay. Um, and, like, Steph, what does that question mean? What does it mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, maybe, uh, maybe you've gone through it there, um, but is there anything else that it might mean specifically to you? Like, War as Hell is... Uh, as poetic as you might want it to be, does it also mean something else? Um, so basically, I'm trying to see if I can find the quote here real quick um, that, uh, that it kind of comes from. So William Tecumseh Sherman, during the American Civil War, he's, he's kind of one of the people who are known as, as basically starting off the phrase, you know, war is hell, and he's one of the, the first generals to implement a, a total war type of uh, warfare, mm. um, you know, he was going through uh, Georgia and the United States. So, um, you know, for me, it was, it, it has that meaning for me because it's, you know, just try and remind me of the seriousness of some of the things that I, I, I do on here. Uh, because I'm doing uh, academic research towards the military and stuff like that, I want to make sure that I'm, you know, respecting those who um, you know, I'm doing research for the people who I interact uh, in, in my community with, too. And so for me, it was just a little subtle reminder that, you know, hey, we're, we're, we're playing war, but don't forget, you know, how, how terrible it can really be and, and, and make sure that you're respectful in the type of content that you made. So for me, it has a little bit of an additional meaning, too. Awesome. And, and when did you start making, like, when, when I'm not sure if we covered it, um when did you create the channel uh, i want to say july 2016 is when i posted my my first video um which uh back then i shouldn't say back then because i mean come on guys it's like three years ago that's not that bad <laughs> uh, what i was doing was i was taking random missions out of the the armor 3 steam workshop and i was rating them and playing them for people uh so like one of the first ones that i did was a mission called war of the hats which I still love that scenario quite a bit. Um, but then I, I started doing the alternate history. So I was posting basically once uh, once a week doing alternate history. And, and again, the first one was that uh, second Falklands War scenario. Um, but things that, you know, over time kind of changed to, to where I am now, making sure I still do story-driven content because I feel like that's, that's one of the big draws people have to Arma, I think, is the, the types of stories that you can tell. Uh, with it, and that's one of the things that that draws me to Arma is is the type of stories that can be told. Um, so yeah, over over that time, you know, the channel has changed a little bit, but I, I feel like the core core type of content uh, is still there. Yeah. Okay. Cool. cool. And uh, I'll, you go for it. <laughs> no, no, you go. Um, I was I'm just having a scroll through your um your channel now actually um just have look it looks looks really good like you've got some nice nice thumbnails going on there. Well, thanks. I, 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 I obviously can't listen to anything while we're chatting, but it looks <laughs> it, it, it looks impressive. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, man. Uh, it was one of the things that uh, I I really wanted to learn how to how to do in armor was to develop like you know good visual content. On my old mm. channel that I had, the first ever YouTube video that I did with Arma was trying to develop our machinima uh, type of content. So I had like I, I had no idea what the lore was in in Arma, <laughs> but I, I built this built this scenario um, on Stratus, 
and it was just kind of trying to do footage and stuff like that from it but you know now knowing how to do like screenshots using gcam and developing you know just kind of some more uh cinematic type content is something I, I still love to do so i appreciate you saying that the uh the thumbnails look pretty good <laughs> so how do you how do you do all of your your uh in-game stuff do you use scripts or do you use like a, an add-on or something to like give you control of the camera uh so i use gcam primarily to get control of the camera um that is hands down one of the most powerful tools i think that that there there is in in developing arma type videos because that that cinematic factor i think really keeps people engaged uh from time to time so like in the uh, it takes some time to build it. So in some of my alternate histories uh, videos, actually, it should be majority of the alternate history uh, scenarios that I've done over the last couple of years. Uh, I'll include like uh, cinematic footage at the beginning where I'm kind of giving a breakdown on what's going on, what might have happened off uh, the battlefield uh, between the last episode and that one. Uh, and then just cut scenes kind of in between a little bit, too. So uh, Gcam has been, been the go to for that. Awesome. Yeah, OK. Well, I'm, 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 I might be stealing some of your, uh, <laughs> your, your knowledge here. I'm just having a look at that one on the Steam Workshop. So is that, is that the one that you use, the one from the workshop, or do you get it from somewhere else? Uh, no, I do get it from the workshop. Awesome. Yeah, it looks, it looks really in-depth with what it can do. Yeah, it's, it's pretty easy to use. I was, I was really impressed. And I'll admit, though, too, like a lot, of the, uh, a lot of my favorite clips that I've been able to make with Gcam that have tied into into my videos have been purely accidental like there's some things where it's like i'll i'll try and and put something together uh as far as like you know th hey this would be a cool shot and i'll i'll go through and try and work it out but uh you know some of the shots that i do you know they i'll just go press record let everything play out and be like oh man that just looks so much cooler than i could have ever put something together so it's <laughs> it, it's a magical thing yeah, that's that's what I do with uh with some of my YouTube stuff too. Is I tend to just like put my character sitting there staring at the camera because most of my stuff is just me talking. Yeah. Uh, but I'll I, I I took to like setting up AI just to have like a battle in the background, mm -hmm. and I I just leave it running for like fifteen twenty minutes. Like all of them are invincible. Yeah. So I, I just leave it running for fifteen twenty minutes and like <laughs> come back and be like, okay, there's that's there's awesome. some engaging content from behind. Oh yeah, for sure, man. Cool. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get back on topic because I'm miles off at this point. Where were we? <laughs> <You're okay. laughs> um. So, how do you reckon you got such a, a cult following on uh, on on in the community? Um, I wouldn't say I have a cult following, but uh, I, again, going back to I think story driven content. I think that's the thing that uh, people enjoy the most. You know, because with Arma and I don't know if Rob will get mad at me saying this or not, but you know, with, <laughs> with, with Arma, you know, as far as like fast paced type of action, you know, there's, there's other games out there that are going to give you a more fast paced type of casual experience. Um, Definitely. Yeah. And so, you know, most people don't want to sit and, and this is problems I have streaming like Milsim ops and stuff like that. People aren't going to want to sit for 20 minutes while I sit there and hold a sector um you know to watch that type of content the thing that people are going to to come for i think is is a, a story that builds on itself you know that, that you can connect with at least in some level or are interested in and because of the uh, great arma modding community and the great tools that bohemia 
uh, Interactive kind of puts out, it's really easy to be able to tell stories with Arma that you couldn't tell, you know, in any other type of game. Uh, you've got an editor where you can build, you know, infinite scenarios. You've got, you know, mods like Unsung, which, you know, you'll you'll go into Vietnam or IFA 3 and Faces of War, which is World War Two. You know, RHS can make sure, you know, you get modern along with Cup. And even with the, the new DLC, you know, you got Cold War right there. So the, the amount of stories that you can tell using Arma is just as infinite. I mean, the real limitation that you have is, is just your own imagination. And so I think, you know, kind of coming into this and, and to some degree implementing historical perspectives into some of this, I think is, is what has drawn people to my channel the most. Yeah, okay. I, I like that. And do you, do you enjoy like telling like those sorts of stories? Like, is that um, like, what, what what is it about telling those stories that like really motivates you to keep doing it? I think what motivates me to do it is just the amount of creativity that kind of goes into it. Um, they're always, you know, every scenario I make just kind of pushes me to be better as a as a creator. And so every time I'm making a scenario, I shouldn't say every time, but just about every time, there's might be something that I, I learn that's new. Um, and then seeing the reaction to, you know, people have to, to some of the videos is, is absolutely inspiring to me and, and what motivates me to keep going. It's, it's weird and, and it's hard for me to grasp, you know, the, the magnitude that some people, you know, have or the amount of enjoyment that people have for, for some of the videos that I do. And I hope it doesn't sound like I'm tooting my own horn here, but um, what a lot of people don't realize is for me, you know, war as hell exists at this desk that I'm sitting at right now. Um, you know, but we've had individuals who've taken, you know, the war as hell logo to the Sinai peninsula when they've been deployed, we've got somebody else <laughs> who wants to take, you know, the logo to, to the demilitarized zone between North Korea and South Korea. And these people all across the world who, enjoy these stories that i make like it is absolutely humbling to know that, that people like the content that i make and so that that honestly is a huge motivating factor for me to create uh, the content that i do awesome and um spe speaking of um big community members do you do you have any members uh that you'd like to do any shout outs to while we're here um, I think everybody in PSO, honestly, I mean, those, those guys are some of the best parts I think of, of doing this, you know, the friendships that I've made there, um, you know, they wouldn't have made any other, uh, any other way. Again, our, our moderators, uh, rock talks, uh, Mr. Pants, night eye, and then, uh, you know, grand animal Thrawn, who's our, our other admin in the, in the community. These guys do far more than I think a lot of people know. In, in helping the community pso things like that operate and i think those who, who have been in leadership in milsim kind of understand the amount of work that it takes but um Ooh. i hadn't i hadn't known how much work it takes until i got into a leadership position myself so these these guys invest a, a lot of time into it and i i feel like too that, that they don't get enough credit for what they do so thanks guys yeah uh, that's beautifully just... put yeah man. <laughs> Oh, you're not wrong about uh, leadership positions either. I've I've been there before. I'm not going to do it again. Oh yeah. Although, yeah, I was dedicated mission maker for a um a fairly large group for a while, and it, it ta I tell you what, it takes it out of you making a new mission every week. Oh yeah. And keeping it interesting. Yep. No, I I know what that's like. You know, just the the content, the missions that I make. You know, once a week, even that takes a, a ton of time. And I know it could take a lot of time when you've got a, you know multiplayer and stuff like that that you have to take into consideration too. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's 
my my real life job i'm uh i'm an it director at a at a university and so i'm i'm telling people what to do all day i mean i i, I don't necessarily <laughs> want to do it on, on the weekends but uh luckily the guys are, are cool enough to to take some of those leadership responsibilities on so i can just carry my 249 and automatic rifleman all all day yeah oh, that's, no, it's... That, that's that's good that you can do that yeah yeah so um so you're uh you do some cool stuff at, at work, and mm-hmm. we were also having a chat the other day. I know that you study a wee bit. Yes. So my my life is crazy. Uh, I Like I said, I'm, I'm an IT director by day, and then I've got four kids, um, all that are six or younger, so things are chaotic around the house. But, yeah, I'm also uh, taking some college classes. So this summer, I'll be doing a research project that takes a look at uh, the U.S. military and uh, with some of the changes that need to be made as far as, uh, you know, leadership and things like that to kind of adjust okay. from your primary adversary being, you know, insurgents or, um, you know, the Taliban, stuff like that, to going to to looking at your primary enemy to be like Russia and China and, and what are called near-peer adversaries at that point. Uh, so, so the research is going to be what what changes need to be made from a leadership perspective in the U.S. military to face that new challenge. That's that's a scary situation to be talking about. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. But I, you know, I I love this type of stuff. So I'm usually reading, you know, a few articles every night and stuff like that about what's going on with with uh, military leadership here in the United States. Just kind of getting prepped for that and. So I'll have a, a published paper coming out this summer about it and might uh, present it uh, at a couple places too. Awesome. That's that's actually some really cool uh, real world real world stuff you got going on. Yeah. Um, obviously, we can't ask too much about it, I guess, with its <laughs> nature. <Sucker>. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you still find like researching as well enjoyable or does it correspond at the same time? So you start doing a paper on something and then you find out that all your kind of stories are, are revolving around that? Or do you do different research to um, your papers for, for some of the content? Um, the, the research that I do for uh, academic is for the most part different. So one of the things that I did, I wanna say last year in getting preparation for this project is I started reading a book called uh, Soviet Military Strategy in Europe, which was written by uh, a professor. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember his name. I think it's Dr. Douglas. I can't remember what, what his first name was. Um, but anyway, it was written in 1980, and it took a look at what was the Soviet Union, you know, based off of the documents that we had, uh, what was their strategy going to be in Europe if we ever went to war. And so uh, for me, some of the things that I learned from that went into the Soviet Civil War series, and it wasn't something that, you know, I was just reading because I, I knew I was going to do that scenario, but um, some of it has been helpful. And so, it, you know, in the future, if I ever do like a Cold War type of scenario, I've, I've got a good background on on what uh, the Soviet Union would, would have likely done in that case. And uh, also have done some interviews with some people who were serving in the Cold War during that time. And uh, again, not related to what I'm doing on, on my YouTube channel, uh, specifically, but the things that I am learning, I can incorporate that into some of the missions that I make. Awesome. Yeah, no, it, it sounds pretty intense. <laughs> just, just all around. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just, just for listeners knowing, like we're talking at, uh, 
what is it, almost 3 a.m. your time right now? Yes. And I, I was usually... telling you yesterday, I live in a constant state of sleep deprivation. I know. So... <laughs> it, it sounds horrible, man. So I, I want to acknowledge you for all the work that you obviously do put in that no one sees because you, um, you work for, what, your normal 8 to 10 hours a day uh, mm-hmm. for kids and then, mm-hmm. and then partner and on top of that like that's that's you know a mm-hmm. full-time job in itself um study and then youtube yep yeah usually one to three or four in the morning is is when i'm working on on stuff for youtube so you know there might be days and stuff like that where i i don't post like i know this week's been pretty hard i think uh i i don't know if you guys get this too but like after a semester or something like that has ended you know i start to get sick and i think that's just because all the the stress is gone and everything, but, um, yeah, no, there'll be a, a few days where I, I, I may not post during the week. Cause I'm like, ah, oh, it's four o'clock in the morning and I'm not done. I'm, you know, I'm going to get some sleep before I have to be to work at like, you know, 10 or something. So, yeah, yeah. I, I can definitely relate to that. <laughs> I, I, I tried long ago to have like a backlog of videos ready to go. If I ever felt sick mm-hmm. and couldn't do something, I burned mm-hmm. through it really quick. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. If I know I've got, you know, stuff built up, I'll be like, Oh, well, I can just take a day off then rather than, you know, just try and keep working through it. But, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think that having these other things in, in my life that, uh, you know, take a higher priority over YouTube really mm-hmm. have helped me keep things in perspective on, you know, what, what the YouTube channel is for and, and the expectations that I have for myself. So I, I know I'm never going to get, you know, nearly as big as like, you know, Shermanator and stuff like that, you know, mad, mad props to that guy. I mean, Sherm's Sherm's awesome and he's very fortunate that he can, you know, do YouTube and everything as as his, you know, full-time job. And I would love to be able to do something like that, but because I have all these other things going on in my life, I know I can't make the commitment, you know, to 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 make this my full-time job or anything like that. So it's it's a hobby for me and and I'm glad that it is because it allows me to do this because I enjoy it. Um so yeah, yeah it's it's getting harder and harder to do nowadays too. It is. Like, there's so many people out there that have broken through that barrier now that it's it's kind of yeah. taking away from each other. Oh yeah, the YouTube is is pretty saturated, um, you know, as it is with with gamers, and then um, you know, Arma with it being out for over five years now, uh, you can go to like trends.google.com and you can see how you know how many times people have searched for a uh a particular you know topic or something so i think last mm. time i looked arma 3 is at, at 20 percent of what its max was and so yeah you, you don't have as many viewers that are searching for arma 3 as as have been historically so um yeah i guess and i remember sherm talked about this a little bit too you know some of the challenges that exist just with you know being on the youtube platform uh with uh, some of the the changes that they have as far as demonetizing you for the type of content that you make uh you know mm. one of the things that they'll do is is take a look at keywords and the word war is one oh, of those no. words that yeah that, that you can't use and so it's like well oh. okay my channel name is war is hell so there's that and then if i'm making like a world war ii type of video you know i can do ww2 but i can't type in world war ii more than you know, I can't that use the word war more than three times. That explains why my Warlords videos have all been demonetized. Yep, 
yep, it's because of that one word. And, and it's frustrating, oh. you know, because if you're doing something that is more historical in nature, um, you're going to get demonetized and stuff for it. So it's those types of things that, you know, can be frustrating as a YouTuber. But, you know, again, knowing that this is my hobby and I, you know, kind of do it for fun. I mean, that that helps me continue to keep doing it, too. Very nice. Yeah, well, that's that's awesome. Um, like treating it as a hobby is definitely the best way to go. Like I've found yeah. it's a lot less stressful. Yeah. Because um, my original goal as well was to like it'd be great to do this full time. But oh yeah, yeah. Like I said, I'm jealous that Sherm can do it full time. Mm. Like my my dream job would be to be able to do YouTube full time and you'll be able to work on the all these scenarios that I have in my head that <laughs> I want to do, but I just don't have the time to be able to do it. So um, mm. I'm jealous of him. I, I really am. I think I told him that too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in, in talking of um, uh, being jealous and also um, the amount of time that you spend on it, have you noticed mm -hmm. your, your video quality has come up in the last year or two since you've been actively posting or is this something that you just got that natural talent for? I wish I could say I had that natural talent, but uh, you know, a lot of the things that, that you'll find with YouTube is really, uh, you know, kind of learning from your own mistakes. And so with, uh, you know, going back to my first alternate history series, you, you go back and you take a look. I made a lot of mistakes with it. Like I had the wrong camo for uh, the British troops. Um, you know, I, I, I again, kind of uh, made Argentina a little bit more powerful, well, actually a lot more powerful than, than they actually are. And, and I got some pushback for that. And, you know, I, I do care about feedback. Um, and so I took it into consideration and, you know, have constantly gotten better adding things like cinematics in my video and, and stuff. And it's kind of a, a blessing and a curse too, that, that I've improved because by improving, I have a, a higher standard for myself, which means I, I then end up putting more time into it than I had historically. So, um, I feel like I've, I've gotten better a little bit over, um, over the past couple of years in, in kind of. You know, constructing some of my scenarios and, and what I include in them. Awesome. But now that means you have to push yourself yes. every time that they go out. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I am not good at, uh, at YouTube videos at all. And I thought <laughs> that, uh, oh, this is easy. You like to X, Y, and Z. So I did X, Y, and Z. And then I looked back a few years ago into some of the crap that I was putting together and I go, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> big bold flash yeah. over words and you're like i'll try this again and i'm like jesus that <laughs> oh so rubbish <laughs> surprised people even watch this crap um oh man like yeah if you go to my like first channel um like i have call of duty stuff on there that was just like oh my gosh what was i thinking at the time <laughs> and like yeah i'll go back and I remember, okay, so like now I've got, you know, a, a really good setup, but my my first ever videos that I did, I was using a USB mic that came from Rock Band. So like the quality was just crap um, yeah. as far as like audio and then capture, you know, at the time was really, really hard to do too. But I mean, we're, we're talking like 2010 was when I had started my very, very first channel. Yeah. So and, and very what... different time than it is now. What what kind of um, computer were you using to to build that, as well? Uh, so I was doing console gaming then. So I was on PS4. Okay, and capture card. PS3. I was using <laughs> Hellpog, I think is what it was called. 
at the time. It was this massive black, I mean, massive gray box that I'd have to plug my Xbox or PS3 into, and then it uh, and then it would run via USB to started off with a laptop, like a nasty Dell laptop. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, and then and then that the black box obviously has the component or component cables or, or something or maybe even HDMI I suppose because we had HDMI back then um, yeah. into the TV and then it just records what via USB two so like four eighty. Uh, that one I think would do. I think that would do ten eighty i was the max that that one would do. Okay, so not Back bad. Then. You you could capture reasonable <laughs> video. Yeah. Awesome. And then it was just your content. Yep. On on Call of Duty. So <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah. I, a, lot I, of, a lot of sports gaming too, so like baseball and stuff like that. But. Cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like exploring it because um, my content originally started with a 750 Ti. Um, I've got the same CPU now, which is a 4690K, which is the i5, the, the best of the i5 of the fourth generation. So I was like, I spent mm. all my money on the on the CPU and then bugger all on the GPU. And then you look back through the content and especially through armor, it seems to kind of, you know how it goes all fuzzy as it records? Yeah. Yeah, for for two seconds, and then it comes clear again mm. for another four, and then it goes fuzzy again for another couple of seconds while it kind of buffers through it, and yeah, just all all your capture quality. I mean, especially mine on on that card was rubbish, and then even mine on a nine eight nine eighty Ti now, still not mm. great, still not. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. it's just oh, it's yeah. not. So um, well, so what do you what do you use now to to get into it? Um, so I've got a computer that's running uh, 8600K i7, uh, 16 gigs of RAM, I, th I think is overclocked to 4,000 megahertz. I've got a 1070 Ti in there, and I've got two one terabyte SSDs. One is for uh, video production. The second one is for my games, primarily Arma. And then I have another six terabyte hard drive that's in there that's... Uh, you know, spinning hard drive disk, which is for storing my videos and stuff. Cool. Awesome. So, so not, um, not an over the top setup. Mm -mm. Pretty, nope. pretty reasonable for this day and age. I have a wife and kids, so I can't spend too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm still running on my four-year-old CPU. Because, yep. yeah, yeah, the upgrade is like uh, two grand on that, or nah. <laughs> yep. No, I keep yep. like eyeballing the i9 9900K oh. and like, oh, that single-core processing speed would be great for Arma. But right. uh, <laughs> th then I have to re redo everything. So then, yeah, it becomes a $2,000 upgrade at that point. Yep. Yeah. As soon as you go motherboard and CPU, then you're like, ah, oh, well, might as well get some more RAM and then the M.2 and then we'll put them in RAID and then we'll, you know, all sorts of shit, all, all the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, I guess while I'm at it, you know, I'll get an RTX 2080. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. TI. Because yep. who's, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, $5,000 later. <laughs> what was that, Cyrus? I said, I wish I had that kind of money to burn. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't either. I've got none of that. <laughs> um, and out of curiosity, what are you running at the moment, Cyrus? 
Oh me! Oh geez, that's that's a dangerous question. It's held to t- it's held together with uh, hopes, dreams, and gaffer tape. <laughs> uh, I think the the motherboard is I think three or four years old, along with the CPU that came with, and um, I th- it's it survived more power surges than my hard drives, so it's probably due <laughs> for a, re- a, a replacement. Oh gosh, yeah, I I run mine through a, a UPS that needs a new battery. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, so it'll it'll um if there's anything unusual, which it's a it's a weird Asian brand one, so it's got uh normal, um, no power and unusual. So it'll flash unusual at me if there's been a power surge. It doesn't save uh, any data, it just crashes, but at least it, it stops the spikes, so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, my my motherboard's actually got that built in, which is the only reason it survived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like it, 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 the, the the problem is, I had a an old um, power supply in it, and because I'm running a an um, AMD power, uh, graphics card, uh, I'm running an R9. They they get real power hungry, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, if I, I I discovered that if the fans ran over eighty percent it would trip the board's surge protection because the power supply couldn't supply enough <laughs> to run all the fans. Yep. Yeah, um, that's how I fried my first board by um, trying to overclock and I had my 670, yeah, 670 graph- 4 gig GPU in there and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Uh, and it was the gigabyte and it was the auto overclocker and I got it up to like 5 gig or something like that. And then I go, do you want to keep running it at, at five? Or do you want to go to a safe four and a half? Or do you want to go to a um, very safe overclock at like 4.2 gig? And I go, let's go five. It was 4.8 or something like that. Something ridiculous. <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> so uh, it, it turned off to reset, lock in the BIOS. And then it just it flashed on and off three times. Um, trying and, and, and then a boot the smoke loop. started rising in a boot loop yeah i don't know <laughs> what exactly else happened in there um but i switched off the the power real quick reset the bios settings and it wouldn't boot so oh, uh, motherboard fried and it took out my graphics card at the same time <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway no, um bad. joys of overclocking we, sh- we should do a podcast on that that's that's fun <laughs> it's um, turned into a full text <laughs> yeah we could <laughs> Um, we didn't ask one of our original questions. Uh, how did you get into armor? So I, it, at the time when I was doing a lot of sports gaming, I was just kind of in search for, for something new. And so, I mean, I'll admit those games don't change year over year. And so, you know, you keep playing them and it, it, it's the same thing over and over. And so I was, I was looking for a game that I, I feel like I could enjoy for some time. And so I was. I remember seeing on on Steam this alpha for Arma Three, and I had remembered hearing about, um, you know, Daisy, mm. um, you know, when it was on Arma Two and stuff like that. I'm like, you know, what? I'm gonna go ahead and, and just give it a shot. You know, it's in alpha. Let's let's see what it's like. And so I, I downloaded it, and I fell in love with it super quick. I mean, especially with the editor and knowing I can create just about whatever I wanted as far as the scenario. Like, I was hooked on that point because there is no other game that has the same replayability that Arma does. At least, you know, that's that's my personal opinion. So it was honestly just, hey, this sounds cool. Let me try and give it a shot. Um, 
so I, I was pretty lucky in that regards. Yeah, awesome. So, sound, yeah, sounds like you just sort of randomly picked it up. That's a bit unusual, actually. Most people yeah. we talk to were either Armour 2 veterans or they um, joined like a unit or something after seeing YouTube videos. That's 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 a really unique way <laughs> to come into the game, I think. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I saw Frankie on 1080p and I go, I want to play that. As so, <laughs> so I moved off console oh, yeah. and, and bought a PC. Yeah. There you um, go. Yeah, again. That, that, that's, that's another guy who's got great um, storytelling content. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, that, that's awesome. Uh, now, I I have um, a question in here. We, we might edit it out. We'll see what happens. But uh, <laughs> choose your own endings. Is there... Just... just on a on a whim, I came up with this question. Is there any chance that um, you'd be interested in doing maybe a five part um, video where the first part would be an introduction to a character in a story, uh, and then uh, the second and third part would be either you choose to I don't know kill someone or not kill someone. And then the story would take that route, oh. and then you might choose to, um, I don't know, liberate someone else or not liberate someone else in the first choice, or to, um, I don't know, is, is there any chance that, that you could make, you know, a three-part story, like a movie, mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. um, choose-your-own choose second act and third act or something? Yeah, uh, with. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead, man. Go. No, no, no. You go. <laughs> um, I. A lot of times, uh, some of my endings are scripted, especially with with alternate history. Uh, the outcome of the mission, I guess I should say, is, is not necessarily scripted. Like, if I go long enough in the mission and I die, you know, then then mission over at that point. Um. And, and the way that the overarching story goes, I mean, I, I have an idea of how it's going to end before I start. But I had done a series way back when, um, which was very much, I don't know if necessarily choose your own ending was would be the best way to put it. But there was real cause and effect for what happened. So I would set up a mission and I would play through it. And depending on how that mission ended up, I would take that information and use it to write the next one. So, like, if okay. if I failed, you know, to take a town, then there's a consequence for it that I gave myself a little bit uh, later on. So that's that's kind of what I've done as far as is kind of making my own ending is based off of the the consequences of an outcome. But I'll admit, for a lot of alternate history, that is predetermined. For sure, and and I. Yeah, it's it's a crazy notion to begin with, and it puts you know even even in storytelling a uh, hell of a lot more work in trying to come up with you know four different endings possibly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It, it sounds crazy, but there's a, there's a YouTuber out there called Wheezy Waiter who actually did something kind of like that years ago. Basically, he had like the first video in the series was public. And then at the end of it, you, the viewer, had to like choose an option with the annotations. And then both those annotations were links to unlisted videos that were like the, the follow-ons from that, like, that decision. And like he had this like big like choose-your-own-adventure thing of just like unlisted videos in the background of his channel. Yeah. 
That's interesting. Mm, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. It takes a lot of work to do. I mean, you're you're right, oh, yeah. but you know, that's that's probably you know, one of the best examples though I think of story-driven content is you know, the 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 viewer is the one who's dictating the story that's being told to them based off of what they want to see. So that's a that's a good idea. Awesome. Um so what was that YouTuber again? Wheezy Waiter. I'll I'll find a link to the video I'm talking about and uh, awesome. I'll pop it in the description. Cool. Um and we'll also throw a shout out to the, the creator of Gcam, uh Rooney, I think is his name. Cool. Okay. Um, well, we're, we're about to, to wrap up here. Uh, any of the off-topic questions um, tickle your fancy? Um, gosh, longest swim in Arma. I don't know what that one was. <laughs> I'll, I'll admit, I'll, I'll, I'll TP myself if, if I have a long swim ahead of me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think favorite mods... Um, you know, in in addition to GCam, I think what Polpox has made for his animation viewer um, is really helpful. I I really think that you know developing cinematic content for Arma is one of the best marketing tools I think that there is. So those are my favorite. But um, I'm I love JSRS. Like sound is one of those oh, yeah. things that I think are really underappreciated. And so you know a lot of the sound mods that are out there, I think it. That more than anything else, I think, has given me a major wow factor in in uh, you know altering the the game. So I, what, I'd have to give a shout out to that. Yeah, what tickled me with with um, JSRS was the quad bike. Yes, just it sounds like a quad bike, a three or four hundred yeah. cc four stroke instead of like whatever armor put on there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it tickled me. It really did. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Well, I uh, guess... Go for it. Oh, go ahead, man. I was just going to ask, if you had to decide in, uh, uh, to join a war between crocodiles and pandas, uh, which side would you join and why? Oh, no. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, crocodiles, because what are pandas going to do? Like, just be cute? Oh, to, you know, to, oh to you were worried about missing off Rob before, but oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Salt water or fresh? It's, it's, it's a war. Crocodiles are going to win. <laughs> what what one's a... You, you'll know this one. What one's a salt water or, or fresh water? Crocodiles or alligators? Uh, alligators Sorry. are fresh water, right? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm from New Zealand, mate. We we don't have that. We don't have that stuff here. <laughs> I, um, I, I believe we have both here. Yes, you do. I think. Yeah, we, sure. we, we we no, as in we we have both uh, saltwater and freshwater crocs. Right. Has actually got more to do with their their teeth than their preference for the saltwater or freshwater. Right. Hmm. I didn't know that. I'm not sure. I, 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 you got me on the spot here. I'm talking armor, not... Uh... <laughs> well, yeah, I live in Nebraska, so I'm right in the middle of, like, absolutely nothing. Like, I'm farthest from the ocean or water you could possibly be in the United States, so anything aquatic is outside of my realm of knowledge. Okay. So, yeah, so diff different snouts. There you go. That's oh, the there you go. I've, I've just... I did not know oh. that. Hmm. Cool. You, you heard it here first. <laughs> Random facts with armor, armor radio, radio armor. Yeah, well, uh, whatever <laughs> helps you choose, you know, between crocodiles and pandas. So, 
Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And has uh, has Rob put on the panda suit and jumped into the lake yet? I haven't seen anything. I, I haven't heard anything, no. No. Did you hear about it? If Rob got so many um, retweets on something, he was going to put on a panda mask or a panda suit uh, and, and jump into the lake at Bohemia with a car or something. Yeah, it was like a hundred or something, wasn't it? Like retweets or something. I think he blew it out the water. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, uh, I, I... "What's really difficult is finding a panda suit." <laughs> <laughs> Rob's gonna hate me, but I, if it was close, I would have signed up for a few more Twitter accounts myself. And. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Awesome. Um, what scares you more, having an enemy with a pistol with only? Two, sorry, what scares you more, an enemy having a pistol with two rounds only, or a friend carrying static weapons close to you in armor? Um, <clears throat> I'd say an enemy with a pistol with two rounds. <laughs> I, if, if they have a static weapon, then that means I know exactly where they're going to be, and I cannot be around them. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, yes. That's reasonable. <laughs> Yep. Uh, some people do spin around and take your head off, though. So. Yes, this is true. <laughs> yep. No, that's awesome. Alt. Uh, Use the alt key. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Yep. <laughs> um, is there anything you want to see coming out in Armor 3 or Armor 4, maybe? Um, like, we've just had... What is it? Glob Mob? Mm-hmm. Uh, do oh. you dig it? Do you want to see more in it? Do you think there's more coming out i i like it um i i'm kind of curious to see what other uh creator content is going to be coming mm. for for dlc i know the things that i want to see for future iterations of arma are probably on the level of extreme and will never happen but um i well never yeah i say never that, well okay so <laughs> what i personally would want to see is is really two things one is uh vr integration i think that would be uh something that'd be awesome i've gotten more into vr lately and oh, so yeah. i've uh i've wanted to to have like an actual arm experience and if anything like that were ever to happen it would probably be you know whatever the next arm is um mm. there there's like this one video like if you go out and look for it it's like the most extreme vr setup ever for arma like the dude's wearing uh the yes. uh, vr headset he's got like a wii set up in you know for his gun and he's walking on a uh omnidirectional treadmill yes yeah. yes and it's like all the oh yeses. man i, <laughs> I so much weight you, 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 you notice those, those people stop complaining that the, the the guy can only run 20 20 feet before he starts panting oh yeah oh for sure <laughs> well it's like uh, I, I I would lose so much weight if I had that, and I would probably be the worst person to like play with because it's like, all right, we got to go a click. It's like, ah, oh, shit, like <laughs> I have to actually God jog. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> like no, but um, I like I said, I think it'd be cool if there was uh, you know, some integration of VR, um, in the next version of Arma, and I I personally would love to see, uh. I know this is not your typical Arma, but I personally would love to see more naval assets in in Arma. Like it would be cool if there was like a game mode where, um, you know, you're doing something with, uh, you know, ships and stuff. I know that's for me it's... one of the uh, 
holdups that I have with some of my scenarios is I can't do anything navy wise. Sorry, it's, sorry. It's, it's, it's funny you, you bring this one up because uh, I, I've literally just spent all day playing with uh, 1700s tall ships with fully simulated oh, yeah. sails in Armor 3. Mm-hmm. Have you, have you that, had a look at that one yet? The Nassau 1715? Yeah, that mod. one. Yeah, I haven't been able to mess around with it. I have it downloaded, though. Oh, it's it's so good. Like, um, yeah. And whatever their ship model is that they've got there for like the actual like water physics... Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like some of the modded large ships do. Like it, it feels like a, a ship should feel. Yeah, um, I believe it. I think that was now. What was the name of the team? I don't actually know who the team was that made it. Um, it is on the workshop though. Um, looks cool. like it's made by a lot of different people. Actually, if that was probably just a large team effort. What What's the name yeah. of it again? Uh, Nassau seventeen at fifteen. Okay, and and sorry, this is now. Did you say needle or navy? I thought I heard needle. Uh navel. Sorry. All oh, right. So okay. Yeah. So navel. Okay. So there's there's <laughs> not enough naval naval things on there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be a a cool opportunity for Bohemia Interactive if they were to make like an Arma style you know realism game based off of of the navy because you've got. You know, there's there's nobody really who's filling that spot right now, but I know That's I would true, love yeah. to have something like that. Don't you have to turn up the waves? Well, there's from what I've heard, there's some restrictions in in the engine to be able to make like, uh, you know, some of the naval assets. Like I I heard somewhere, so I don't know if this is right. Take it for for what you will. That some of the assets are limited to only be thirty meters in size. So that's why you have like, um. Uh, the the freedom kind of split up into um different static sections to kind of overcome that okay but with the the new game engine like if they were to make a realistic type of of naval based game and there was a game i used to play when i was a kid that was was kind of like that that i still love i i feel like integrating something like that would be a a great opportunity for bi because i can imagine they have a lot of the assets with Bohemia Interactive Simulations, and so it would just be a matter of bringing it on over to a, a new game. But that's that's something I'd like to see, not necessarily armor related, but along the same lines. So it's it's uh, it's the last question. It's the question we always like to ask: is um, what's your favorite armagasm moment that you've had recently? Sort of a moment that you've had while you've been playing, or while you've been editing, or something like that, where you've gone, "Yeah, this is that's this is why I play armor." This this moment right here. Oh gosh. Um. I think one of the biggest Armagasm moments, there's there's two that I can think of. One is kind of out of game, and that's with um, with PSO. Like, we had somebody who joined not that long ago, and, and she was brand new to the game. And, you know, she got into her first mission, and she just loved being a medic. And so she was posting, like, all of these charts that she was you know, kind of putting together based off of Ace Medical to make sure she knew what to do. And and so it was, like, one really cool to, like, see somebody really enjoying uh, Arma to that level who was brand new to it. So that's one that I can think of. Another one, uh, or the other one that I can think of is probably... I want to say it's it's one of the missions I'm trying to find it right now that I did with um, Operation Unthinkable, 
there was this uh, one mission I made, which was called the uh, Second Battle of Berlin. So with the Western forces, you know, having the initial surprise against the Soviets, then with the Germans, they were able to, to push them back a little bit. And I, again, not to toot my own horn here, but I was like super happy with how it turned out. Uh, a lot of the visuals that went into it. So it's taking place at night. I have all of these fires and smoke and flares going off. For me, it was a really like visually amazing experience to create that. And so that that's for me one of the times where I'm like, this is why I do what I do. Like it was it was pretty cool. Awesome. No, that, that's fantastic. Um, well, look, hey, thanks a lot for, for coming on the show. We, we really appreciate it. And uh, no hopefully our, our listeners out there um, uh, are listening. And perhaps it even gives some of your YouTubers a um, an access into more of who you are and, and how you go about yeah. your life. Well, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's, it's always good to be able to do this stuff. I'm a big fan of the Army community, so... Uh, it's cool to, to come on here and talk with you guys. So thank you guys for what you do too by, by helping spread some of the word on what's going on in the Armour community. Yeah, no worries at all. Um, also, before we go, uh, where can people find you? Uh, so if you just search on YouTube, uh, War is Hell should be one of the, the first sub ones that come up underneath is War is Hell Armour 3. So so that's the, the best place to go to find my videos. Uh, if you go there, you'll find all the information to like the discord that I mentioned earlier. Uh, we have a community discord uh, that's set up where we have people who will talk about videos. We have a section uh, called the think tank where we discuss military related topics. And so some of that is, you know, like I'll, I'll post some of the articles I'm reading for my research. And then, you know, PSO is there too. If, if people are looking for a, a group to be able to play with, uh, I've got Instagram, Twitter, all of that, uh, which, you know, that, that'll be in the description too. If, if people are interested in following yeah. me there too. Awesome. Perfect. Oh, well, thanks for that. Uh, rock on, guys, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks, guys. Right. See you.